Africa rise and shine Africa tsoka Africa amuka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on double one nine two five kilohertz on the 25 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisoluhoko and Figilelingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, the African Union Summit gets underway in Addis Ababa and U.S. and North Korea prepare for second summit between their leaders. In economics news, Zambia signs Africa Free Trade Area Agreement and in sports news, South Africa begin preparations for test series against Sri Lanka. And before we go to Anne for the news, just to inform you, a Soweto Gospel Choir has just won a Grammy Award for Best World Music Album in Los Angeles. And uh, that it, it was for the song titled Umbombela. And just to go back in history, last year at the very same time, Lady S- Smith's Black Mambazo also won a Grammy Award. Well, and up next with the news. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. And office for Nigeria's election commission has been burnt down just a few days before the country is due to vote in a general election. The Fayyan Plateau state has destroyed everything needed to vote, including ballot boxes and voting slips. A spokesperson called it a setback for the preparations for the elections, but is quoted in this day as saying it's too early to suspect sabotage. Nigeria's general election is due to be held on Saturday. On Sunday, President Mohamedou Buhari warned of potential electoral fraud. He's running for re-election with main contender former Vice President Atiku Abubakar. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi has taken over the chairmanship of the African Union with a pledge to continue with institutional, structural and financial reforms that his Rwandan counterpart Paul Kagame started. Al-Sisi outlined the objectives for his tenure, which will mainly be peace, security and reconstruction of countries torn apart by conflict. While handing over, Kagame announced that the continental body was closer to financial independence with 85 million U.S. dollars in the peace fund, a contribution made by 49 member states. Serakimani has the latest from the AU Heads of State Summit in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Six years since the continental body suspended Egypt following a military coup, its president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, assumed its chairmanship. Al-Sisi's term will focus on security and peacekeeping. He also urged African heads of state to consider a fund to reconstruct countries battered by conflict as one of the ways of encouraging refugees to return to their homes. To boost his agenda, he announced the peace forum in Egypt later in the year. The African Union theme for this year is refugees, returnees and internally displaced persons. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa will take over the helm of the African Union in 2020. This was announced at the AU summit currently underway in Ethiopia. The summit is being attended by various heads of state who are expected to focus on issues of trade and conflict. Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, addressed the opening of the summit and told delegates that the West had much to learn from African leaders over the treatment of refugees. He says Africa has kept its borders open to millions of displaced people, despite its limited resources. Guterres has also expressed optimism over peace efforts across the the continent and paid tribute to the new reformist Ethiopian Prime Minister. The African Union's efforts to silence the guns by 2020 are gaining ground. And the UN surge in diplomacy for peace is producing results. And the fruits of our strategic partnership are indeed making a difference. Ethiopia and Eritrea have shown the way, and I pay tribute to the extraordinary courage of Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed.
The United States military says it has killed eight al-Shabaab extremists with an airstrike in southern Somalia. A U.S. Africa command statement says Friday's strike hit near Kabon, not far from the port city of Kismayo. Kabon has been used to stage attacks against Somali forces. The U.S. also says that no civilians were killed in the airstrike. The U.S. military has carried out at least a dozen such airstrikes this year in Somalia against the al-Qaeda-linked al-Shabaab, the deadliest Islamic extremist group in Africa. And finally, South Africa's multiple award-winning Soweto Gospel Choir has won a third Grammy, winning the Best World Music category at the prestigious Music Awards in Los Angeles for the album Freedom. This makes it a third win for the popular group, which has been nominated a total of five times, as Sherwin Bryce Peace reports from New York. Soweto Gospel Choir already bagged two Grammys in 2007 for Blessed, and 2008 for African Spirit in the traditional world music album category, missing out in 2011 and in 2009 when they received similar nominations. Other nominees who missed out in the category included Sean Kuti and Egypt 80 for Black Times, Hatumata Diawara for Fenfo, Bombina for Duran, and Yiddish Glory for the Lost Songs of World War II. The choir has previously indicated that the album Freedom honoured former President Nelson Mandela while conveying a strong message about the history of South Africa. And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. The 14th of February is Valentine's Day, when couples and lovers celebrate their love for each other. Join Channel Africa on Friday the 15th of this month between 1200 hours to 1500 hours Central African time as we celebrate one love for Africa with our African brothers and sisters all over the continent. Let's dismantle prejudice and work towards achieving greater unity and solidarity between African countries and Africans as a whole. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Egypt's President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi has taken over the chairmanship of the African Union with a pledge to continue with institutional, structural and financial reforms started by Rwanda's President Paul Kagame. El-Sisi outlined the objectives for his tenure, which will mainly be peace, security and reconstruction of countries torn apart by conflict. While handing over, Kagame announced that the continental body was closer to financial independence with 85 million dollars in the peace fund a contribution made by 49 member states sarah kamani reports from addis ababa six years since the continental body suspended egypt following a military coup its president abdel fatal sisi assumed its chairmanship but first outgoing chairman paul kagame who spearheaded reforms outlined his achievement the relaunch peace fund now stands at 89 million dollars with the 50 member states contributing. This demonstrates the force of our collective resolve and ability. Our system will focus on security and peacekeeping. He also urged African heads of state to consider a fund to reconstruct countries battered by conflict as one of the ways of encouraging refugees to return to their homes. To boost his agenda, he announced the peace forum in Egypt later in the year. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said he would continue to push the international community to help Africa adapt and mitigate against the effects of climate change, one of the drivers of forced displacements. I will convene the climate summit in New York in September to spur action by political leaders, the business community and civil society. 
and this includes mobilizing $100 billion a year for climate action that were pledged by the developed world. Billionaire philanthropist Bill Gates called on African governments to invest in the country's populations, especially children and youth. Gates threw his weight behind Africa's universal health care goal. When it comes to buying and delivering basic medicines, every dollar invested here has generated 20 more in social and economic benefits. Ultimately, health systems and health security are two sides of the same coin. World football governing body, FIFA's president Gian Infantino, promised to fight corruption, enhance security in stadia, and use soccer to spur education. When I arrived in FIFA in 2016, FIFA was uh, investing 23 million US dollars in African football every year. Today, we are investing not 23 million, 112 million US dollars every year in infrastructure, in organization, in football for our use. The African Union theme for this year is refugees, returnees, and internally displaced persons. Sarah Kemani, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The African Development Bank has launched the 2019 Economic Outlook for Africa. The report highlights the need for African Union member states to speed up implementing the continental free trade area. The Development Bank says doing that would increase intra-Africa trade by 15%. Coletta Wanjohi reports from Addis Ababa. 19 AU members have so far ratified it and three more must do so in order to advance creating a continent-wide free trade zone. The African Development Bank says tearing down tariffs in Africa will boost wealth across the continent by 38 billion rand every year. Gabriel Negatu is the Director General of East African Region at the African Development Bank. Non-tariff uh, uh, barriers, particularly within sub-regions, the, the EAC, the ECOWAS and so on, while, while, the, the, while the regional, the global trend is encouraging, there are still uh, d- devils in that detail and and there's need for all of us to work closely on what we call the soft issues the transparency in customs management the business environment and so on and so forth many economists say for intra-africa trade to really soar there must be free movement of people gabriel negato the director of general of east african region at the african development bank says many african states are starting to ease rules countries particularly countries in eastern part of Africa are are beginning to make progress. Countries like uh, Ethiopia, Rwanda, Seychelles, Kenya and Uganda uh, are now introducing more liberal visa policies such as online applications and visa on arrival. Uh, If you cannot move, you cannot trade. And if we keep putting up these barriers at the airport, at the seaports and so on, it is a hindrance to this. South Africa is one of the countries already on board with the AU-wide free trade area. It ratified it last year. Now the pressure is mounting on AU members who have not ratified it. So far, no North African country has ratified the African Free Trade Agreement. Egypt will be taking over as chair of the AU. Supporters of the agreement hope that Egypt will ratify it very soon and then get more North African countries to do the same. Koleta Onjohi, SABC News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Ule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Agriculture is the future. That's according to African Development Bank Group President Akinumi Adesina. He has encouraged youth to consider careers in agriculture. Lehana Zotesi reports. The youth and agriculture, high on the African Development Bank's agenda, last year alone it spent $300 million to support young people in agriculture on the continent. 
rural youth face myriad problems in the agricultural sector, among them lack of finance to access machinery and farming implements. They are also at the mercy of global warming and unseasonable droughts. Access to farming land is another endemic problem. These reasons inform the African Development Bank's youth initiative. The future billionaires and the millionaires of Africa, they are not going to come from oil and gas. They are going to come from agriculture as a business. So we want the young people to understand that agriculture is a business. It's not just a way of life. And that's why throughout my career I've been an evangelist for this. So that the young people can understand that that's the future. It's in agriculture as a business. So make agriculture cool for young people. It also sees the investment in the fourth industrial revolution. We're investing heavily in marine uh, fiber optic cables all across the continent to make the speed of internet very, very fast. Secondly, we are investing in um, information and communication technology centers of excellence, um, um, which is helping to build the next generation uh, of ICT experts for Africa. And thirdly, um, we are working with Korea um, on a program called um, Korea Africa uh, Tech Core. What I mean is that you normally hear Peace Corps, but this is Tech Core, bringing the, the technology young people on Korea, linking with the young people in Africa to create the, the, the future Bill Gates or Zuckerbergs of this world. African countries are trying to mirror the rapid development of Southeast Asia. Agriculture was one way South Korea first tracked its economy. And Africa too, with vast tracts of land, could use that blueprint to industrialize. Lehana Tsutetsi, SABC News, Seoul, South Korea. After the newly elected president of the Democratic Republic of Congo toured three countries of the region, some Congolese citizens believe such a regional tour will benefit the DRC's economy. Felix Chisakedi visited Angola, Kenya and the neighboring Congo Brazzaville, where he addressed several important issues, including the integration of the DRC into the East African community. Januel Bamweze has more from Kinshasa. It's a serious determination of improving things at all levels, including cooperation, that the newly elected president of the Democratic Republic of Congo is using. Three days were enough for Felix Antoine Chisekedi Chilombo to tower three countries of the region, starting by Angola. Going through Kenya, Chisekedi concluded his visit this Friday by the neighboring Republic of Congo, well known as Congo Brazzaville. The three-day trip was an opportunity the DRC president has used to meet his counterparts and his fellow Congolese living in each of the three countries he visited. President Chisekedi has also addressed the issue of bringing the DRC into the East African community. This will benefit to this country in terms of economy and cooperation. That's indeed what a candidate who lost the last December presidential election told the Channel Africa. Noel Chani. The regional integration of uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo into the East African community will bring some benefits including free movement of people, free movement of goods and services within the whole communities, countries. But we need to be more careful. President Felix Antoine Chisekedi's regional tower has come at a time people of the Democratic Republic of Congo need to see change in each and every sector. This MP who shared her opinion with Channel Africa said unity is needed to succeed. Brasnema Painini insisted on the fact that voters want to really see the change they have chosen for more trusts. To be united, to work for the same cause, which is our people. I'm looking for a big change. This is a new beginning and the hope of our people will be met. Uh, I would like to tell people to to trust things have to get back to normal and it will very soon.
you know, we are tired of these uh, manipulations and distractions for many, many years. Uh, this is a new hope for our population. They will not be disappointed. It's a new beginning, like I said before. Things will change. They will be glad they made a good choice. And truth is not complicated. It's simple. And when you work in truth, there's always good results. And that's what we want because we want to see things change. We're starting with a new administration, new government, and we hope for the best. So we have to be sincere uh, doing this work in honesty so that we can reach and have a good result at the end. And according to this analyst from Sepramad Uni, University, President Tshisekedi's visit will help to boost the relations between the Democratic Republic of Congo and the countries he's busy visiting. Dilat Mukemba believes a lot of trade relations will follow this visit of Tshisekedi in different countries. I think his visit is really aimed at improving, strengthening ties with these uh, uh, countries. Uh, you are very well aware that the DRC has been uh, um, having partnerships with the SADC and countries like Angola, but last year we saw many Congolese being expelled from Angola back to the DRC. And so the DRC is looking at expanding its uh, its reach with the, some of the countries that were, uh, I mean, left out of, 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 of businesses with them. The DRC is blessed with lots of natural resources. There are lots of opportunities for business. And I think uh, President Chisekedi is trying to to get more friends around the region. Uh, we have seen that um, the Kenyan president was the only African president who uh, attended his inauguration. And I think there's something behind that. They're trying to improve relations with this country, which, which is largely in the East African bloc, very far from the DRC. And so we're just waiting to see what will come out of this. But my guess is that there are going to be a lot of uh, trade relations with these countries. Where he's a- it's only less than a month since Felix Tshisekedi was inaugurated as the DRC president and hasn't yet rested. After his regional tower, he's today in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia attending the African Union Summit. Jean-Noël Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa. Will North Korea commit to denuclearization? That's a $64 million question ahead of a crucial meeting between the U.S. and North Korea later this month. The former U.S. ambassador to Iraq, Christopher Hill, says the coming meeting will have to determine the seriousness and intent of North Korea. Lehana Tsodezi reports from South Korea's capital, Seoul. Talks that are static, overshadowed by mutual distrust, the U.S. government accuses North Korea of increasing its ballistic missile arsenal. North Korea has said little, signifying a possible change in attitude. Washington does not want to weaken its relations with the Asian nation. If they have compensating measures they want to see from the U.S., be specific. Put them on the table. Let's see what we can respond to. I would suggest if I were the North Koreans and if I were concerned about sanctions, I'd be talking about what are the sanctions that the U.S. might be prepared to relax in the context of denuclearization. Hill says North Korea should put its cards on the table in relation to what it expects from the talks. So I think the North Koreans need to get over that and start dealing very seriously with the problem at hand. There should be a list of uh, nuclear programs. There should be a discussion of what order they would like to see these nuclear programs uh, 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 taken away. Uh, They should also discuss in some broader concept what kind of time frame they have in mind. The U.S. says it's worked hard to convince North Korea's leader of the benefits of destroying its nuclear arsenal. The North Korea Institute of Military Affairs says President Donald Trump's comments need to be taken seriously. Trump has called King Jong-un the little rocket man and has accused North Korea of being provocative and repressive. The worst case scenario might be if someone walks out of the negotiations would have no available diplomatic options. There might be top-end sanctions and military options. We have to be prepared for that. The U.S. insists that North Korea must destroy its weapons and stop selling the weapons of mass destruction to the Syrian government. The denuclearization talks between the U.S. and North Korea are expected to take place on the 27th and 28th of February. 
Lehana Zutezi. SABC News, Seoul, South Korea. Channel Africa. Africa, rise and shine. I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. This is Simon Muchemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Jean Noel Bamwezi, Channel Africa, Kinshasa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinzeka in Yawundi. Informing the world about Africa. Ngatani in Mohalizuk, Lesotho. And I am Dana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa. South Africa's ruling ANC chairperson Gwede Mandashe has spent the weekend showing journalists his homes in an attempt to clear his name. This after an employee of Busasa, now trading as African Global Group, Richard LaRue, told the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture that a team of technicians worked on a special project to install security upgrades on three of Mandashe's properties amounting to $22,000. U.S. Luandile Mbulali was there. Mandasha says he has nothing to hide regarding the Bosasa scandal, hence he invited the media to tour and see the upgrades in his properties for themselves. Eight cameras are installed in each of Mandasha's properties, that is, in his homestead at Tsala and his farmhouse at Koa. There are no electric fences or alarm systems, as reported. Mandasha says cameras in his home still have serial numbers. He argues this is in contrast to what Richard Leroux told the Zondo Commission when he said they removed serial numbers so nothing could be traced back to Bosasa. Mantasha says he is planning to appear in the Zondo Commission to clear his name. So Leroux comes as an after effect. After Chris has given evidence for nine days and not mentioning me for nine days, then the trend in the discussions in the media is to put us all in one pot. But what should happen? And that is going to happen in the commission. Every individual must go to the commission, explain himself or herself, clear his name, own up for what has happened. And that's what I'm going to do. Mandasha says they decided to install the cameras to deal with security risks. No, I'm not corrupt. That is one thing that is known by everybody. And that's why people go out of their way to try and throw mud at me. So that, yeah, you always uh, pretended to be an angel, and uh, now uh, these the other the things, and exaggerate the things. And because the reason that I don't take out these cameras, we didn't build them because there was a gift. We identified a security risk, we dealt with that security risk, and we thought that we need cameras. We had our project. Anybody who came in, came in into our project. Former head of security for Gwede Mantashe, Mzonke Nyakaza, says he took the decision to do security upgrades after a series of break-ins at Mantashe's box back home. Nyakaza says Papale Sabane, who works for Bosasa, now trading as African Global Group, offered to help him with the upgrades. Nyakaza elaborates. As a person who was responsible for his security, I took a decision to install cameras. I brought the cameras around about 10,000 rand. I brought the cameras at home. When I was still trying to get someone who would be able to install the cameras because I don't know how to install it. Then the following day, a papa came into the house. And then when he looked at it, he said, no, no, these are very weak cameras. I can be able to, to get a proper cameras that you can be able to see, a proper view. Actually, I've asked how much these cameras are going to be. And then he said to me, no, 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 Chant, don't worry. I will pay these cameras from my own pocket. I mean, I'm a family friend here. I can be able to do that. ANC chairperson Gwete Mandasha says all officials implicated in the state capture inquiry should go to the Zondo Commission to clear their names. I am Luandi Lembulali in Kowa.
Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines and office for Nigeria's election commission has been burned down just a few days before the country is due to vote in a general election. Hundreds of Sudanese take to the streets of Omdurman, Khartoum's twin city, demanding the release of dozens of women detained during the ongoing popular protests in Sudan. And Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi takes over the chairmanship of the African Union with a pledge to continue with institutional, structural and financial reforms. Those are the stories making headlines. It's 8.31 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Our South Africa's power utility ESCOM has announced the second day of stage two load shedding from 9 a.m. until 10 p.m. Central African time. The power utility says this is meant to manage breakdowns at some of its power stations. Our stage two load shedding means 2,000 megawatts will be rotationally load shed nationally at a given period. According to ESCOM, this is conducted rotationally as a measure of last resort to protect the power system from a total collapse or blackout. The power cuts come, fra- come following President Ramaphosa's announcement at his State of a Nation address that the power utility would be separated into three arms. To talk to us on the economic implications on this, we're joined on the line by Chief Economist at Economist.coza, Mike Schussler. Mike, good morning and thank you so much for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Now, load shedding, we're back at that stage, Mike. What is going on? Well, quite simply put, uh, ESCOM hasn't been able to maintain things as they should have. Um, A lot of the elements uh, that we've seen come to the fore with the Zondo Commission, the corruption and, uh, you know, the the, uh, stealing virtually of coal mines and not delivering the right coal, uh, from uh, to get uh, all those sort of things are still plaguing Eskom. It's not fixed. And the impact on the economy, Mike? The impact is going to be very big. I mean, um, if you look at 2007 when this sort of stuff started, even before, I think a year before it was in Cape Town, I think uh, many studies have been done and we've probably lost at least 10% of our GDP over the last 10 years or so. So that's about 1% a year. But obviously we didn't have load shedding in all the years. So the years we have load shedding, you can say are easily 2-3% affected. And this looks like a long-term problem. This does not look like something that we're going to fix in a month or two's time. This looks like something that's going to be with us um, probably for about a year or two. Um, We're not 100% 100% certain, Lulu, but we're getting um, a lot of uh, messages in that this is not um, a short-term thing. So I think we're looking at a horrible growth year this year. We may even see a shrinkage again in the economy. Um, and obviously, at the same time, we're going to get a very big increase on electricity from electricity, which will also have an impact on inflation. It will have an impact on interest rates which again will have an impact on growth. So we're looking at a whole uh, mess that we're in for at this moment in time. And uh, ESCOM is critical to the economy. No modern economy can work without electricity. That is a fact. Now, the impact as well on investment into the country, this is going to be affected, is it not? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's not just the investment coming in. But it's the current investments that people have made that are not optimal. And we're finding that many, particularly smaller South African firms, are having to downscale because they don't have the money 
um, to, to ride out the uh, load shedding if it is on a continuous basis. And uh, we had a, a talk with entrepreneurs a while back, uh, two, three years back already, but the point is they were all pointing out what it does to them. You know, they've got generators maybe, they've got inverters uh, to overcome the problem, but it adds to their costs. But there are big things that they can't work on that. For example, in a restaurant you can make food on gas, but your uh, chips are still fried in an electric fryer. And uh, those are very powerful, and you need a very big generator for that. So that becomes a problem for many a restaurant. And I'm just using that as, an, as, as a simple mm. example so people can understand. So you'd have, for example, a paint shop and, um, and a body working shop. And there's certain things that obviously do with a hammer and tools and uh, manpower muscle, but there's stuff that they need to do with high-powered tools that use a lot of electricity And for a small business, you know, you have to spend virtually double just to to get the generator of that um, uh, uh, size to be able to handle that. So it becomes the impossibility for uh, smaller workshops and the like to do this type of stuff. So you can imagine now somebody's car is there. Instead of it being there for, uh, say, five days, it all of a sudden is going to be seven days. And he loses money because he can't do things as quickly as he would like and therefore his cost pressures go through the roof, and, uh, you know, his profit disappears, and he becomes uh, very vulnerable. And at the same time, uh, your inflation rate is going up, your interest rates go up, and he has to pay more on the debt that he's got, so or she or whoever the entrepreneur is, and that puts a lot of pressure onto those sort of small to medium-sized businesses. We know that the mining industry cannot operate Without proper electricity, you cannot leave people four kilometers under the ground uh, without power. I mean, that you need very big power to generate uh, those sort of uh, cooling uh, uh, air and water pumped down into the mine and the shaft and everything like that. That's mm. not something no. that you can do you know, on the side. Yeah, no, Mike, let's look at, uh, you know, the president's announcement at, uh, during the SONA last week, Thursday, that the utility is going to be unbundled into three entities. Do you think this will help the challenges at the power utility? Well, it is one of the things that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get separate generation and then distribution should be able to buy from anybody. Um, and I think that's the, the main thing. So they can buy from independent producers, uh, and have uh, agreements with, for example, Sassel has got a lot of gas that it generates power from. Uh, here in Joburg, there's a smaller gas operation uh, at MTN, for example, 30 megawatts. Now, it's not big, but it's enough to light up a, a suburb. So that distribution company can buy that extra electricity those people have, and that can combat a lot of this load shedding. But to set this up is going to take... Uh, quite a bit of uh, time. We had uh, some of that set up after a while, but it does take time to set up. And it looks like um, there is going to be a lot of union resistance to this, and that's going to make it more difficult. But President Ramaphosa is doing the right thing, in my opinion. I think the South African government, is the, the now government, is trying very, very hard uh, to fix the mistakes of the past, um, but it's not something that you can, just like electricity, switch on and off, it is going to be a lot more difficult uh, than, uh, uh, you know, the, the overall uh, problem that we have. What sort of time frames do you think we're looking at? Uh, I didn't hear that a little. Sorry. What sort of time frames uh, do you think we're looking at or facing as, think, as a country? I think it probably looks to me like roughly a year to set up all this type of stuff. I think probably a little bit longer. Um, let's say a year and three months uh, to get uh, all these things sorted. Um, once we've got that going by April next year, I think uh, a lot more things will fall into place. Other aspects like the coal and those sort of contracts will also have to be redone. So I think till we got back on an even keel and, and bring down the, the risk of load shedding uh, significantly down, I think we're probably looking at 18 months to two years um, but the breakup of ESCOM will probably take around about a year, year and a quarter. Um, there will be a lot of resistance. There will be 
a lot of things that have to be uh, solved internally at ESCOM as well. What belongs to distribution, what belongs to transmission, those are the sort of things, uh, you know, because there are other parts of ESCOM that one needs to think about too um, that fall in between those. And uh, that will take a little bit of time, but I think, you know, we can expect um, some relief within a year, uh, but proper uh, relief. Probably we're looking at a, a period of uh, two years or so. It doesn't mean we have load shedding all the time, but whenever something goes wrong at one of the uh, generating units, it increases the risk quite significantly at the moment. Mike, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope we won't have load shedding all the time. <laughs> all right, thanks thank for joining you. us, Mike. That's Mike Schussler, Chief Economist at Economist.coza, joining us on the line. Disciplinary hearing against Northwest Health HOD Dr. Thabo Likalakala has been set for this week in Mahikeng. The Premier's office says he's expected to answer to procurement irregularities relating to an alleged Gupta Link company, Mediosa. He's also charged with overstating his experience on his CV when he applied for the HOD position. Sisi Sikhalo reports. The Mediosa mobile clinics in Northwest made headlines after it was revealed that the company was paid 30 million rent before any work was done. The company also paid for Legalagala's trip to India to allegedly view the mobile clinics. During his first visit to the province last year in March, Health Minister Dr. Aaron Mutoledi was critical of the service, describing it as some kind of an ATM. It's not a service that South Africa needs at all. Whether you are in a rural or an urban area, we don't need this service. Likalakala was subsequently placed on leave, then suspended. The HOD was reinstated in December last year after he challenged his suspension in court. Northwest Premier spokesperson Vuisilen Gesi elaborates on the charges Likalakala is facing. He's charged with uh, one misrepresentation, as it was previously reported that in his CV, uh, he had stated uh, that uh, he had been a chief director at the national department, uh, something that uh, is being disputed by the, by the provincial government now and has been charged with misrepresenting himself in the CV. Secondly, he's being uh, charged with uh, procurement irregularities in relation to the Mediosa contract. Labor unions have meanwhile called on the health department to tread carefully on the matter. Northwest Dinosa Secretary is Mutalipule Ramafuko, while Mzuki Sijem is from Hospesa. So we would urge the department to allocate competent uh, dispute resolution manager or labor relations manager to deal with this matter because it is utmost important to assess the organization. Uh, we cannot allow the situation whereby employees go on riots because of one person. Uh, it is high time that the department must decide on whether they choose one person over the majority or not. Obviously, if he comes back, none of the employees would actually accept him. Starting with us as trade unions, we are totally against his um, return. But at least the new MEC is really doing uh, his best in making sure that the issue of the former HOD is handled properly this time. The health department has since terminated its contract with the controversial Mediosa, while the company has gone to court to demand that their mobile clinics be handed back to them after government confiscated them. I'm Sisisekhalo in Mahike. Well, going back in time today, the 11th of February, 
South African anti-apartheid struggle icon Nelson Mandela was freed after 27 years in jail. Let's listen to his speech made on the stairs of the Cape Town City Hall. community to continue the campaign to isolate the apartheid regime, to lift sanctions now would be to run the risk of aborting the process towards the complete eradication of apartheid. Universal suffrage on a common voters rule in a united democratic and non-racial South Africa is the only way to peace and racial harmony. And that was South African anti-apartheid activist Nelson Mandela speaking in Cape Town on this day in 1990, shortly after his release from prison. Our economics update up next with Tabi Lohoko. Thanks, Lulu, and good morning. Zambian President Edgar Lungu has signed the African Free Continental Area Agreement, AFCTA. The president says Zambia will now work towards necessary processes required to ratify the agreement. Lungu adds that Zambia recognized the importance of the agreement at, as it's the one that will liberalize trade of both goods and services for all African countries. Zambia witnessed the declaration of the AFCTA in Kigali, Rwanda in 2018. Rwandan President Paul Kagame has urged governments and members of the private sector from across Africa to work more collectively to fund healthcare systems on the continent. He delivered the message at the weekend while speaking at the African Leadership Meeting on Investing in Health, which took place at the African Union Summit in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Kagame chaired the meeting, which was attended by Prime Minister Enna Solberg of Norway, President Mahamadou Issafo of Niger, and United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, among others. Ethiopia is set to cement its place as Africa's leading aviation hub, with an expanded airport terminal, which triples its passenger capacity. Last year, the country overtook Dubai as the leading transfer hub for long-haul travel to sub-Saharan Africa. The project, which was funded and built by China for 363 million U.S. dollars, tripled the airport size, can now accommodate up to 22 million passengers annually from its current 7 million. South Africa's power utility ESCOM has confirmed that Stage 2 rotational load shedding will be implemented from 9 a.m. local time. ESCOM says that this as a result of a shortage of capacity due to a number of generating units still out of service due to breakdowns. On Sunday, ESCOM implemented Stage 2 rotational load shedding across the country from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. local time, acting head of generation Andrew Etzinger. The problems that uh, came through last week at our power stations, the technical faults that led to breakdowns uh, of the system. We're expecting the, the units to return to service during the course of this week. But uh, realistically, certainly for today, tomorrow and Wednesday, we must prepare for load shedding, unfortunately. For today, stage two, we've just concluded that in a meeting. It would start at uh, 9 o'clock this morning and uh, you know, would continue as, as before.
As part of measures to move the economy forward, the Nigerian Minister of Finance, Zainab Ahmed, has called for a coordinated green climate finance platform. The minister made her position known at the closing session of the UK-Nigeria Climate Finance Accelerator CFA workshop held at the Zonal Office of the Securities and Exchange Commission in Lagos. Ahmed says that there was a need for a coordinated green climate finance platform like the CFA in the economy. According to Ahmed, the CFA program is an innovative concept that would aid the Nigerian government's developing approach of the ease of doing business. The U.S. dollar is trading at 359.23 Nigerian Naira, 1026 Botswana Pula at 99.71 Kenyan Shilling and at 11.78 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar will cost you 372 Brazilian roll. 6541 Russian ruble and at uh, 71 Indian rupee. 678 Chinese yuan and 1358 South African rand. The US dollar is trading at 77 pence to the British pound and at 88 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,311. Platinum, $791 per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $61.60 a barrel. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. A sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. First up in our sports update, we saving off and betting with cricket news. The Proteas women have started to prepare themselves for the upcoming tests and the ODIs against Sri Lanka. Start off and inform you that uh, the young wicket keeper and keeping better Faye Tancliffe has a big ambition with the gloves as she continues deputizing for the unavailable duo of Trisha Chetty and Lizelle Lee in the Proteus Women's upcoming ICC Women's Championship One Day International Series against Sri Lanka in Pochethrum, South Africa's northwest province starting today a 20 year old has bloomed her role behind the stamps since making her international debut during last year's t20 series against west indies which preceded the 2018 icc women's world t20 also in the caribbean Tana Cliff has gone on to appear in eight T20s for South Africa including the recently concluded 3-0 series whitewash over sri lanka and the Proteas began preparations for their two-test series against Sri Lanka in Devon yesterday with rookie batsman Zubairi Hamza hopeful of getting another chance for his country against the tourists. A 23-year-old made his debut against Pakistan last month when he made scores of 41 and not in the final test in Johannesburg. Hamza is by no means guaranteed to play when the series against the island nation starts on Wednesday, but says he has been doing all he could in domestic cricket to try and force the selectors to look his way. The only thing most, most batsmen in the country can do um, is kind of do their best to produce the runs um, and then hope that they can kind of harbour in a spot um, or another opportunity at the next level. So for me it was to enjoy um, my cricket and kind of take what I've learned um, from the three weeks that I spent in and around the squad um, and kind of put that into kind of practical use going back when I played for the Cobras. So unfortunately um, it paid off um, and I'll continue learning as much as I can to kind of adapt and enhance my game as much as possible. Football New South African under-20 football team Amajita booked their place at the FIFA Under-20 World Cup in Poland in May this year with a 1-0 AFCON win over Burundi in Niger. This is the second successive time that Amajita will participate in the Junior Global Showpiece after making their first appearance in South Korea two years ago under the leadership of coach Tabusinong. Amajita goalkeeper and captain Kulegani Gupega shares the player's joy. Having qualified for the World Cup for... Uh, the second time in a row, I think uh, it's great for the team and it's great for South Africa as a whole. 
you know, it shows that uh, development in South Africa is coming along pretty well. I think you can say everybody is ecstatic uh, because of a lack of a better word, you know. Uh, such emotions, I think even uh, the dictionary and words fail to explain. So I think it's just, you know, we can use ecstatic just because of a lack of a better word. And finally, with the triathlon, British athlete Alex Yi and Japan's Aidi Ueda were the elite winners of the 2019 Discovery Triathlon World Cup held in Cape Town at the weekend. It was hot and a very windy conditions in the mother city. And unfortunately, you know, the best day for the local athletes with South Africa's Gillian Sanders finishing fifth in the women's event while Henry Skuman finishing fourth in the men's race. Today is a very uh, hot and uh, windy condition, uh, very tough. Yeah, but uh, I'm after seeing second part to working the together uh, top pack behind the 10 or 15 seconds uh, for running. Yeah, my uh, favorite is running, the push up, the kick the wing. I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories in Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, the African Union Summit gets underway in Addis Ababa, and US and North Korea prepare for second summit between their leaders. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuzo Ramagaza and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org, WhatsApp on 277-63-003327 or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa is a Soweto Gospel Choir which has just won a Grammy Award for Best World Music Album in Los Angeles with a song titled Umbombela.
Yeah.